2: Welcome you to our show, KOA News Radio. Logan Lewis, Dave Logan and Kathy Lee, back at the helm. Rick Lewis uh, off today. He will rejoin us tomorrow. Morning, Kath.
3: Good morning. How that, are you? You
2: got to sleep well. I think the question is, how are you? You uh, got to sleep in a little bit.
3: I did, and I had uh, two happy hours yesterday. So I went to bed really early last night.
2: Celebrating the fact that you didn't have to get up for for Rick's show. Uh huh. You kind of had one of those days.
3: Yeah, the brunch happy hour. And then That was air, I, air quotes? Air quote brunch happy <laughs> hour, because none of us really ate. We just drank.
2: So is that a virtual happy hour? Or how all virtual
3: it? happy, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it was like seven girls, and we're all—they took a dance class before, and I did not join in on the dance class. Huh. I just watched and drank.
2: Yeah, seem, I mean, seems right. <laughs> See, and you said you had two of those? I
3: had two of those, yes, and then I had one in the afternoon for a friend's birthday.
2: Oh, the first one was in the morning.
3: The first one was at noon. Oh. And then the other one was at four
2: you know not to say that that i have never engaged in mm-hmm. similar activity but i will say this it's it's been a while and i find that when i air quote day drink <laughs> uh i rarely make it past like early evening and i'm out
3: yeah i was out by like 8 huh i made a casserole and then i passed out <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. What kind of casserole?
3: I made a chicken and rice casserole. Yeah. My husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I just felt like making this because it sounded good. I don't feel very good, honey. Yeah. I'm going to go lay down. I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are those? And I got to sleep in. And then I got to go to Starbucks this morning, which I never get to do. Yes,
2: and I'm appreciative of that. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, and then I had a major bloody nose in my car at Starbucks.
2: It, because of the the double-fisted drinking <laughs> yesterday? Must, or
3: I guess it must have dried out my nose. Right?
2: That's not, <laughs> It was just drinking, right?
3: Yes. No. Yeah. Okay. Nothing else. I. But I went to the, uh, the to the uh, window, and he goes, "Are you okay?" Because I had blood all over my face. Oh. And I had and I had a tissue in my nose. I'm like, "Yeah, I just had a major bloody nose." Yeah. He's like, well, it's so dry and cold?" I'm like, "He's really nice." You. You know. could
2: have been creative at that point. I mean, I'm so pissed at my husband.
3: Can you believe? <laughs> I mean, it was everywhere. <laughs> <have> called
2: nine one one. Eric had had somebody knocking on his door. You know, Greenwoodville, whatever, police.
3: And what's the worst place to have a bloody nose in your car when you're, like, like scrambling around for Yeah, Thank God I had two packed in my purse.
2: Yeah. I always put tissue or— or uh, uh, Like napkins. Napkins in the thing in the Love middle. Love comparing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: I usually do, too. But then all I had are the Clorox hand sanitizer wipes or the Clorox wipes. Yeah, so those had, are
2: no good for bloody noses. No,
3: but though. I had to use one to start because—
2: You put a Clorox wipe up your not nose? Not in
3: my nose, but just to wipe it off. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, this could kill me. Yeah. But I didn't have anything else so I could reach over and grab the napkins. Right. Do you think that's bad, the Clorox wipes on my face? I
2: would not put Clorox wipes anywhere near your nose.
3: No. Not in my nose, just for the minute till I could find. You know, it happens so fast when you get a bloody nose. I mean,
2: Clorox is obviously a really good cleaning agent, but I can't imagine, like, to breathe it or to stick it up my nose would be a good idea.
3: Yeah, not in my nose, Dave. Just Just to clean your face. Just to clean my face because it was the first thing I could grab. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just going to have blood all over my hands.
2: I'm telling you, you should have gone with the I'm so pissed at my husband. <laughs> Can you believe he did this?
3: And then I could have gotten free Starbucks.
2: Here's my address. <laughs> um, yeah, so so Millennial Grant, uh, that was Kathy's weekend. Uh, let me, uh, you and I have already, we've uh, we've done a little bit of work together here this morning. So I know that you are bored out of your mind.
4: Yeah, another very exciting weekend amid the shelter in place. I uh, watched some movies, watched some TV, yeah. and not much else. Huh. I shows? fell asleep about eight o'clock last night too.
5: <laughs>
2: when you're in your 20s, there's no. Did you drink yesterday? Nope. No well, there's drinking there's absolutely yesterday. no excuse for that, oh. <laughs> that kind of behavior. Will I think not it be was tolerated. just sleeping
4: out of boredom. Yeah. I, yeah. I was running out of things. I finished a show I've been watching. I'm all caught up, so I have to wait till next week when a new new episode comes what out. What show? What we do in the shadows. Oh. It's a mockumentary about vampires in modern day pretty hilarious.
3: Oh, I like it. And then See I've been that.
4: been watching binge watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Good. That that's one of my favorite shows. Larry David. It is. It is funny. It's great. He is he has got the absolute
2: best sense of timing. I, you know, in my book, I mean you can say, I mean he's just hilarious. And the
4: way it seems like every episode goes back to something that happened right in the beginning. And it perfectly wraps up with a joke yeah. at the end. I mean, so, it's, yeah, it's I love basically
2: Seinfeld without Seinfeld. Right. Pretty with Larry much, David as yes. yeah. Jerry. Basically. And Larry David and Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, together wrote Seinfeld. You, right. you can see the influence.
4: Yep. And I love Seinfeld. So other it's, it's obvious that I would love that, too. J.B.
3: Smoove, who's on that
2: show.
4: We've had him on our show.
3: Yeah. He told us that he said everything's just kind of, you know, you just. Do it impromptu. It's like, you just go with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you, they try to do a retake. He goes, there's no retakes. It's just what it is.
4: Yeah, <laughs> sort of like talk radio. I just got into the season where J.B. Smoove is on there, and he is so funny. He's, I forgot how good he was.
3: He's so funny. Huh. I, I love – he's like one of my favorite comedians now.
2: I finished the first season of Narcos Mexico, so I'm through 10, 10 episodes. Whew, is that good? It's Ma- heavy. Oh, it's, it's heavy – but it's it's really well-written. It's well-acted.
3: Now you need to go back and do the other Narcos.
2: Well, I'm, I've got one more season. There are two seasons of, of Narcos Mexico. Mexico. Okay. So now now they've come to the point where Kiki, the DEA agent, and the, the, this series, uh, two-year two series based on true events. So there really was a DEA agent who was kidnapped by basically the cartel and tortured and killed. So he has just been killed. And they ha- are starting to round up the DEA. Obviously, if you lose one of your agents, you're gonna, they're, that's going to be very important. And they flooded that area with DEA agents. And now they are rounding up those that it were involved.
3: Oh, interesting.
2: End of season I don't one. think
3: I saw Narcos Mexico. I saw the other Narcos.
2: You'd like it. But it, it's, I mean, listen, it's, it's as you said, heavy. It, it's gory at times. Yeah. But, it, but it's got a real, you know, it's, it seems like it's real. Very well acted subtitles. Oh. so I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, learn up my Spanish.
3: Ma- ma- my Spanish. <laughs> you know what I mean.
4: Next time you go to Mexico, you'll be fluent. I
3: know that's true. Next time you go, you'll be like totally having full conversations in Spanish.
4: Yeah, well, well
2: I hope so. Except it, for it'll
3: all be all bad words and, and talking about drugs. Right,
2: but there are a lot of bad words. Holy cow! <laughs> uh, one of one of the guys that that was sort of on the fringe involved. He really had nothing to do with the kidnapping and torture and ultimate murder, but it was his part of his group that was involved. He just got arrested, and he, um, his when they found out that you know the DEA was going to crack down on everybody, they all sort of split up from Guadalajara. And where does he go? Where does Neto go? Puerto Vallarta.
1: Oh, that's where
2: he is captured. So, yeah, but it's it's a good series if you if you like. Um, you know, a lot of murder and uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot drug of that. cartel, drug cartel mm-hmm. stuff. Absolutely. Did you see anybody see the uh, Jordan, the Jordan series started last night?
3: No, I fell asleep.
4: That's right. You you were drunk mm-hmm. and fell asleep. And
3: Grant Dr- Grant wasn't drunk, but he fell asleep too.
4: I am gonna binge watch them all. I'm a little disappointed, really, Grant. Michael Jordan. I still remember the little locker I had when I was like seven years old. That was the MJ number twenty-three, all-time. So biggest Jordan, Jordan fan. was your guy. He was he was my dude. All-time biggest fan, and you went to sleep at eight And 8:00. I fell asleep <laughs> before the show. Yeah, read. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm anxious to see sort of what people think about that. Um, I thought it was good. I, you know, I, I maybe the first couple of series, first couple of episodes, which they showed last night, I was expecting maybe a little bit more. Now the next two episodes, which will air this coming Sunday. Uh, Now they get into when the Bulls had to deal with the Pistons with Isaiah Thomas and that crew and Scott Hastings guy used to do the show with here on KOA Scott was on that Pistons team and I remember you know just sitting there talking to him about some of the stories you know the Jordan rules where the Pistons came came to the conclusion that listen there were no layups for Michael Jordan Michael Jordan when he when he took the ball to the basket Michael Jordan was going on his ass he was not getting a layup and so we're going to get into that a little bit uh coming up here on Sunday but i but i thought it was good um also what was the uh the concert
4: the together at t- home together
2: at home. home yeah you watch that anybody watch that
4: i, I watched did a, not lo- watch I watched any a little it. bit of I it i saw there was an uproar about uh how normal Elton John seemed because he was playing outside on his basketball court playing his grand piano and there was this little rickety basketball hoop with some basketballs behind it <laughs> so he appeared to be a tad bit more normal. Yeah, he seemed down to earth almost. Yeah. So then the internet reacted and said, "I wonder if Elton John's going to throw down a three sixty dunk after he performs his his songs on the piano." Yeah.
3: I wonder if Elton John plays basketball.
4: I can't picture it. I
3: can't. Either. I wonder if you
2: put Elton John on the free throw line, how many free throws out of ten he would make? I'd say one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Two. One. <laughs> probably. Two. What
3: depends? Can, does he? Can he go underhanded?
2: You can go any way you want. The old okay. Rick Berry granny shot Yeah, that's style. me.
3: I could do them all underhanded.
2: How many would you make underhanded?
3: At least five.
2: Uh, c- can I just mark? <laughs> <laughs> I-, I can't say what I'm thinking right now. See,
3: I have a basketball court.
2: You have no chance to make five free throws underhanded out of ten attempts. None. You don't think so? No. I
3: have a basketball hoop in my driveway, I mean.
2: Well, I mean, good for you. When was the when... last time you shot Thank on that Thank you. My question um, exactly.
3: Like two weeks ago.
2: You shot underhanded free throws two weeks ago? Yes, we
3: play horse a lot.
2: Do you win, ever?
3: I played against a bunch of Broncos players, and I beat them.
2: Back to my question. Do You You, yes, you beat, I beat Broncos a, players I, and horse. I
3: beat two. Then I got beat Na- by name three. Name them. I can't tell you who they are.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. They I would, don't
3: want to embarrass they them. They would
2: lose their street cred forever. <laughs> I don't want
3: to embarrass them.
2: Oh, my Lord. Um, hey, coming up in the show, we've got a good show planned for you today. Uh, head coach. From the University of Colorado, Carl Durrell will join us at uh, 945. Going to find out really how he's uh, and his staff are are dealing with these circumstances. Of course, Carl hired. He he hasn't had a chance to, you know, even work out, I don't think, with his his kids. But uh, we're going to find out uh, how Carl's doing, and that'll be at 945. 1006, your uh, mental health update with Dr. Rick Weiner. Dr. Weiner is a... uh, psychiatrist that uh, is headquartered in Atlanta. He also is our statistician uh, on road games. Most of, most of all the road games, Doc Weiner finds a way to get there on, uh,
6: according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
2: That me, Rick, and uh, Susie do. So, Doc Weiner at 10.06, and then really a treat coming up at 11.06, Herm Edwards, the uh, former ESPN analyst, former head coach, two-time head coach in the NFL, currently the head coach of the Arizona State Wildcats. Rick, Excuse me, Sun Devils. Wildcats are in Arizona. God, made that <laughs> uh, mistake.
3: Rick is going to be very sad that Herm is on when he's done. Yeah, he, You might want to move him to tomorrow.
2: Yeah, Herm couldn't do it tomorrow. Oh. We, we, we tried tomorrow, and Herm could only do today.
3: You might want to get Rick on the phone. I know, uh, Rick was not was happy. Not Rick, is <laughs> a,
2: Rick is a huge, well, Rick is a huge ASU guy.
3: Yeah, because he's an Arizona guy. His daughter went to school there. Yeah, you know, he spent a lot of time partying. I remind
2: him. And... <laughs> I remind him all the time that you know you live in Colorado. Exactly. I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> so, so Herm Edwards coming up at eleven o six, and let me just uh, let me just check. Okay. Yes. Le- yeah, and let me just be the first to say that uh, coming up on Wednesday at eleven fifteen, we will be joined by. Peyton Manning.
3: Nice.
2: Yep, Peyton's going to uh going to talk a little bit of uh, of the draft and also uh the all-in challenge. I watched uh got well, listen. I watched Peyton had uh about 9 straight hours yesterday on ESPN
3: of his show that of, he does of his
2: show, which yeah. is re- really entertaining. I mean, I'm such a football nerd. I, I just love, you know, the old-time stuff and how the league started and some of the uh some of the people involved in, in Peyton. Uh, Is that
3: Peyton's place? Yes. Is that what it's called? I saw the one yes. with him and Tom Brady.
2: Yeah, where they were chipping
3: Yeah, the in the backyard of Tom's Jim Na-
2: house. On, no, oh, was on it? Jim Nance's house. Oh
3: it wasn't Tom's house? Yeah, I no. assumed it was Tom's house. <laughs> no, that
2: was Jim Nance's house. What a nice backyard, oh, right? Yeah,
3: that was really nice.
2: But he was throwing yesterday some some of the episodes where he's throwing the ball off a huge building uh in New York and Chris Carter. He's got a got a 1930 helmet on, trying to catch. And Chris Carter had terrific hands in the NFL. He's one of the guys that I think he would be in my top five all time in terms of his ability to catch the ball. And man, did he catch any of them? He did. He caught a couple, but it, he was having a hard time. That thinks, you know, how was it? 20, 20 some stories up in the air. He, Peyton's
4: throwing it off the top of a roof. Yeah, and you got to think about how fast that's coming down. And Chris too. is
3: how old? Like sixty something, right? Probably. No, 16? Chris. Uh,
4: I don't
2: think Chris, Chris would be in his fifties, I think. Fifty-four. Okay. Yeah. You just oh. you just put Chris into a different decade. <laughs> Not sure he's gonna,
3: Sorry gonna about fully that, Chris. appreciate that. You look good for fifty-four. Yes, yes, he does.
2: Yes, he does. So we're gonna have uh,
3: That'll be exciting to talk to Peyton about that. And yeah. that all-in challenge, I saw that Tom Brady is leading it right now of uh how much. The people are bidding.
2: So what? what is, I saw Peyton, because Hannah Storm uh, on ESPN yesterday said, say. so what exactly, you know, what are you doing? He said, well, what I'm going to do is is uh, go to the city where the person who wins this is, uh, maybe play golf with him or her and a bunch of him or he, he, or, he or she's buddies, and then go out to dinner um and let them ask questions and all that which would be a really cool opportunity.
3: So I don't know how you win. I think like everyone pays the same amount. If I if I read it correctly, everyone donates, right?
2: Yeah. I and don't but I don't know how much.
3: I don't know, but I don't know how they choose. So like the one that I saw was Ryan Seacrest who works for our company. What's he doing? He is so he'll fly you to his studios in LA to come on his radio show and then do American Idol. Right? Oh. And then sit on the stage of American Idol during the live competition. And then he'll fly you to New York to come sit on Kelly and Ryan, and you get to come on the show, and they interview you on that show.
5: I
2: think that's what – it really, of all the things, I think Rick would like to do that. <laughs> I say that. I say that, you know, I mean, in a, in a positive way. Rick would – I wouldn't – I mean, I guess that would be kind of cool. That would not be my gig.
3: So, like, here, it says Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman are willing to fly you to – fly to your house and help your kids sell lemonade. So they would come to your house and help your kids sell lemonade on their street.
2: Well, my daughter's in her early 30s, so that would be <laughs> that'd be kind of a cool event, I think. But
3: that would be awesome for mine, yeah, even know, for my kids. And
2: I, I'm a big, big fan of Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. That'd be good. Why, so, don't, why don't you? Do you have to
4: bid on it? I,
3: that's what I'm trying to. So it's them. They've raised 13 million dollars so far for it. So. Yeah. So
4: Tom Brady's giveaway is four tickets to the Tampa Bay home opener, his game jersey, and dinner with the Brady's. And the starting bid for that. Fifty thousand dollars,
3: and it's at seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollars right now. Somebody bid.
4: Well, that's listen. That's an awesome. I mean, it's for charity, number one. But that's an awesome thing to do. Yeah. So all the all the funds raised will be split equally between Meals on Wheels, No Kid Hungry, Feeding America, and the World Central Kitchen.
3: So, Peyton's right now is golf and dinner with Peyton in Mm -hmm. your hometown, and it's at fifty thousand dollars. Current bid. Uh, that was starting bid fifty thousand. Current bid is at five hundred thousand for Peyton. Five
2: hundred thousand. Yes. Good Google.
3: That's great, though. What a fun! I mean, being.
2: absolutely. What a what a what a terrific idea. Three zero three seven one three eight five eight five. You know the number. Uh, we will open up the phone lines. In fact, let's uh, let's talk to Ben, who's calling us from Kansas City this morning. Ben, you're on with Dave Logan and Kathy Lee. Good morning. Hi guys. Uh,
7: this is kind of off subject, and I'm an old. Guy I'm just old um, a guy mentioned a show he was watching that I walked in on yesterday, and it was just short of hardcore porn. I'm amazed at what we see on t v now that we can just turn on and
2: well, the good news has been you you can well no, I don't disagree, but the good news is you can always turn it off too right
7: i I wasn't watching it, it was just on, and oh. I couldn't tell the person
2: not to watch it, <laughs> it oh, this, this is this is in your house you mean uh, not my house I'm staying with my daughter i see okay this okay and well it wasn't it wasn't my daughter i, I see know. okay I all right well i listen i I get that and there uh there are there are plenty of shows that I see that uh after spending about two minutes on, I will just flip the channel as well. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're just getting old. That just means that, you know what, you don't have an interest in watching that kind of stuff, which I I completely agree. Again, 303-713-8585 is the number. So Carl Durrell coming up here at 945, the head coach of the University of Colorado. We'll talk with Dr. Rick Weiner at 1006. And by the way, uh, if you'd like to, you can text us or you can call at that point if you've got any mental health questions for Dr. Rick Weiner, who is a psychiatrist, and then 11:06, Herm Edwards, the uh, former two-time NFL coach and currently the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, will join us here on KOA. 9:25 is our time. Good morning. This is KOA News Radio. We're back at 9:37 on KOA News Radio. Love that fight song, University of Colorado fight song. By the way, uh, we should also mention before we talk with head coach Carl Durrell that. Uh, today is the 20th of April, 2020. So 21 years ago today, we remember Columbine and uh, all uh, all of those that we lost. We'll talk more about that coming up here a little bit later. Uh, in the meantime, we head to Boulder and talk with the head coach of the CU Buffs, Carl Durrell. Carlos Dave Logan and Kathy Lee. Good morning, Coach. How you doing?
8: I'm doing great. Good to talk with you again, Dave. Yeah. Hello, Kathy. Hi,
3: how
2: are you? Good to talk I'm with great, you, too, you. Carl. Um, we wanted to touch base I haven't had a chance because I was, I was actually in Mexico when, um, when you officially got hired. So I haven't had a chance to even say congratulations. And, uh, of course, I've known you a long time and uh, at several different stops. But um, how has it been for you now as the head coach of CU, given the circumstances that we're in and really unable to do a lot face-to-face? How have you and your staff kind of
8: battled through that? Good question, uh, Dave. You know, it it was actually when I got hired on the 23rd of of February. You know, I was obviously we were a little bit behind uh, with my hire, but I think uh, this pandemic has actually helped us catch up, uh, so to speak. And you know, we I was able to hire a really good staff. Um, The only thing that was missing through it all, which we were rushing to do was to try to get spring ball started on time which was March 16th and that never really occurred but um, you know this time that we've been been spending lately these last few weeks catching up on the recruiting side particularly in state and getting more familiar with some people uh, in state um, and out of state but uh, and then we're getting a really good chance to really comb through our systems offensively and defensively and and, and put in our installation plan and things like that, so so from an organizational standpoint, we're in really really good shape. We just haven't had much time or any time other than walkthroughs and virtual meetings with our team so uh, but it's kind of what the state of the the issues are right mm-hmm. now. I mean, that's a minor thing compared to what we're all dealing with uh, you know nationally and globally. so you know when football's ready to be played, we'll be ready to go though
2: Yeah, absolutely. you know you mentioned um trying to comb through the the systems. Both offensively and defensively, I, I think. Uh, I think an interesting question, and you have you have really experienced a lot of football. I mean, you were head coach at UCLA for a number of years. You've you've been in the NFL. You were the receiver coach with the Broncos back in the early two thousands. Most recently, uh, receiver coach, and and I think passing game court maybe an assistant head coach with the Dolphins. The point of it is, you you've been around a lot of football. So how how do you best determine uh, from an offensive standpoint? what you want your offense at the university of Colorado to, to be like, how do you do that? And how do you sort of put all of that experience into like a ball and wrap it up and play with it and then roll it out and say, here's the CU offense.
8: Great question. Again, I I wish, um, (laughs) I wish I had that crystal ball where I felt like, uh, we had all the answers from from, from a perspective of, of really getting something installed qu- quickly, efficiently, productively, all those things, but sure. Um, but I think right now, in my mind and Dave, you know this too, from your experience, because you've got a great deal of experience as well you know, I'm combing through the program. I'm looking at both sides of the ball, looking at last season. Uh, I, I finished with the offense, the whole all the games last season, looking at personnel. I did a, a system evaluation from a scheme standpoint uh, the first time looking through it. Then the last time I did it again, I went through it again and looked at it by personnel. Mm-hmm. And so, I, in answering your question, to for me to to kind of put together the system of offense that's going to be successful for us at It is really for me to get to know our talent, you know, our evaluation of our personnel, mm. so that we're putting those types of players in the right positions for success.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
8: and and uh, and try to feed the positions that are, you know, very productive for us. So I, I think that's what I did, you know, these last couple of weeks. And I'm on the defensive side doing the same thing, looking at our scheme and what we did defensively and also studying the personnel aspect of things. So, you know, it gives me a great chance this time period, you know, that's, that's been, you know, obviously us just working alone. It's given me a great chance to really go through both sides of the ball extensively Looking at personnel, looking at our systems, and then tweaking what we think uh, we should go go with going forward. Um, but, and that's everything—that special teams, offense, defense. So mm-hmm. it's given the time for us, us as a staff, to really get our heads together. And now that we've studied the personnel, you know, putting our guys in the right position and put them in the right, you know, uh, I guess alignment positions too, to, for them to be successful. So offensively, which is where you said most of my experience is from, it's, it's, we have some, some skill on offense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're we're missing a three-year uh, starter at quarterback, and we have some running backs with some depth, and the offensive line, we're, we've got some pretty good depth there, too, so we're not missing a lot of pieces offensively, but we're new in the one key spot, which is at the quarterback spot, so you know, p- part of the scheme thing is also figuring out what he does best, which we don't know yet because we haven't been on the field <laughs> with right, him at right. all. So, <laughs> yeah. but you know, looking at his high school tapes, and you know, and obviously spring game tapes from guys that are here. You know, looking at the footage that they had from playing experience, you know, those are the kind of things that we're 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 tending to try to 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 reason on what we can do. But you know, it's still incomplete information until you get on the field.
2: Sure, we're talking to the head coach of the University of Colorado, Carl Durrell, uh, at nine forty-three on this Monday morning. You know, you you mentioned you were you were going back and looking at uh, at last year's tape on on offense and on defense and on special teams. Not asking you to. Uh, be critical of previous coaching staffs or what they implemented schematically. But can you quantify for us uh, in a concise fashion j- just a couple of things that maybe you saw when you went back and, and looked at that tape uh, as now you get prepared to move forward with y- your system, um, not so much your guys because you just got here, but certainly your system did 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 you like? Did you find it beneficial uh, in terms of what you saw, and did and did you like what you saw, or do you uh, do you feel like you there's a need to sort of go
8: in a different direction? Both. Okay. <laughs> Both. Right. There is definitely some things from a scheme standpoint, offensively, that I thought were really good, and in looking at it throughout the course of the season, um, there were some really particular good schemes, uh, particularly run game schemes, and and and, uh, and some passing concepts that were definitely you know i would say pretty good pretty productive pretty consistent so right, right. you know we'll we'll hang you know that'll be part of some of the core of what we would be offensively but it's also uh we have a lot of work to improve on offensively in a number of ways you know our pass protection um needs to continue to improve both up front and in the backfield i think route running at the receiver position is watching them you know we have a, a young group of receivers that and particularly now that you know, LaVisca's gone and Tony Brown's gone. And, you know, we have some younger players that are going to step up and play, is really getting some development work from them to be productive. I think that's really important, an important factor for us. Uh, the tight end position, um, we have Brady, which is, he's been a, a, a really kind of a, a bell call type of player sure, for us being sure. able to do a lot of things. He's kind of a motion guy and in the backfield and splits out wide and so he does a number of things. But, you know, other than that we, we're really we're we're gonna be young there in that spot at that tight end. So, you know, there's 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 a number of things offensively that we can definitely, you know, put some put some emphasis on Uh, developing, I think is the biggest key for, for the entire group quarterback position one, and then, you know, honing up the talent and the skill level of everything else around that quarterback. I think those are are really important factors. Defensive, excuse me, defensively, you know, we, we, I like our scheme. Uh, We have our fronts a, a pretty, pretty good veteran front, uh, a number of guys that will be back playing, and plus we got some help from from this year's recruiting class that's going to help us. You know, we got a good inside linebacker. That was all conference. Uh, our secondary, we, we took some hits last year in the secondary with some injuries, and we, you know, we made some transformations with guys on one side of the ball moving to the other, things like that. But the good thing about those guys that had that experience that that played last year is that they're going to gain some more experience this year playing the same spot. So there's some good good in that. Um, just there's there's a number of things that look you know, be excited about. Uh, it's it's just a matter of how fast our players are going to be able to really absorb the new things that we bring to the table. It won't mm-hmm. be a lot, you know, particularly on defense, since the defensive coordinator is still the same guy. It's really not going to be much of a change there. Offensively, Darren being the coordinator, you know, he has some experience of being here for a while, so there will be some carryover from some stuff. But there will be some things that I want to do, you know, from a scheme standpoint mm-hmm. to to also uh, implement. And it's just going to have to create – I think, David, the problem or the, the the question will be how fast we can absorb the information, particularly the quarterback, and perform it, and does it fit him. I mean, those are the things that we have mm-hmm. to really weigh as we as we get going on the practice field.
2: No doubt about that. Carl Durrell, the head coach of the CU Buffs, our guest uh, here on Logan Lewis. Last couple of questions. Coach, as you look at, um, again, I, I had mentioned, you know, your extensive football background, and, and you've really had it. I mean, you, you, again, the head coach at UCLA for, I can't remember, five or six years. I know five I'm, years, I'm five years. Five years, okay. Then uh, a lot of time in the National Football League, and, and you spent uh, a few years here in the early 2000s with the Broncos and with, with Mike Shanahan as the head coach. And I know, you know, when you look at Mike's success even though I think he morphed into, as as all coaches do, uh, a little bit different way of doing things. He was always a guy that believed in you have to be able to run the ball in order to be successful. And everything, not everything, but a lot of what he did was running the ball and then play action off of the run. You, again, with your experience, and the game has changed so much, and you see teams like the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, and they're throwing it everywhere and they they run it some but it's it's not like we have been used to seeing over the years so from a running game standpoint how have you seen the game of football change the most over the the last even 10 years and and how does that play into sort of your vision of what the university of colorado run game will be like moving forward Mm,
8: great question too (laughs) you know Dave, it's it's funny how football you know i'm I'm a firm believer in balance and being able to run the ball effectively for play actioning and and obviously the drop back pass as well as you know for precision and timing and getting the ball out and great anticipation things like that so you know a lot of those things those roots of of my you know offensive thinking has has begun you know in my years with with shanahan and in some other coaches that i've been with so it's that's definitely a part of my philosophy mm-hmm. in, in offenses to do those things but but you made a great point of you know football's evolved you know really there's two quarterbacks i would say that are night and day difference of each other but are two of the best in in the nfl right now you mentioned the one with some of at kansas city where he's a a, a tremendous talent that can buy time in the pocket that can make plays off schedule has an arm to throw any throw on the field mm-hmm. and and they utilize his skill set that really features what's he does best you know his balls in his hands he makes plays he he just finds a way to get the ball to the right people they run it some but it's not you know a huge priority then if you want right. to flip it to another example uh Lamar Jackson over at, you know, Baltimore Baltimore there, you know, he, he's a completely different type, but balls in his hands, just like the previous guy I mentioned, but you know, he's got dangerous legs. (laughs) <laughs> he sure does. He can throw it. You know, he can run it. Uh, they do run the ball, you know, still with their backs. And, you know, they play with tight ends that are in-line tight ends. And so they're they're a different type of system. Both systems are very, very good, though. Very, very hard to defend because of the answers they have with play actioning and things like that. So it is a couple of good examples of really how offenses do tailor to their quarterback uh, so to speak, and 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 really, and and you know this too. It really comes down to that guy with what you can do. You know, mm-hmm. as much as I have, is you know, from experience standpoint, you have to really build it off of the of the you know the makeup of your quarterback and what he can do, what he can develop to do, things yep. like that. So, you know, it 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 might look a little bit. Very generic, you know, in the early stages until he grows and continues to, you know, get better at what we do. And then we can kind of let out the rope a little bit more and a little bit more. And, you know, and then all of a sudden we have, you know, kind of a, a guy that has a, has a good feel and command of what of what we're trying to do offensively. Hmm. That's still the kind of the the progression I think that we'll make. But, you know, you look at Mahomes and and Lamar, both of those guys did not play and start early in their careers. They sat a year and, you know, they kind of got used to the, you know, the NFL way and things like that. So, you know, I think all of those things, I wish we had the luxury to do that. We don't, you know, we're (laughs) going to have to play with a guy right now, right away. But, you know, that's part of the process though. He's going to have to grow and learn and we're going to push the envelope. And we're going to stress him, and you know that's the the job of a quarterback. And but we're going to ultimately do what he does best, and and hopefully build a good package around him.
2: Good enough, Carl. Again, thanks a lot for your time. I I know that uh, hey, we're just hoping that we have a football season, right? I mean, absolutely. I, nobody knows exactly how this this mess is going to turn out, but uh, I'll say this: everybody that I've talked to is excited about uh, you, and uh, anybody that knows you. Um, knows that the university hired a, an outstanding person as well as a really good football coach. So I look forward to finally catching up with you when when all the everything sort of calms down, whether it's down here or <clears throat> up in Boulder. And uh, wish you a lot. Really appreciate you coming on the show today, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to seeing you as well. Yep, sounds good. That's Carl Durrell. The head coach of the University of Colorado. He's a good person.
3: Seems real smart. Like, you know, just.
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. void voidwork prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: His answers
3: are very well calculated.
2: Yes. I I got to know him a little bit. Um well when he was the receiver coach with the Broncos, that was back in uh I'm doing this off the top of my head. Oh one, I believe, oh one, two, and he was here for a while. Got to know Carl a little bit there, then and I don't know exactly where he went, but he was the head coach at Miami, UCLA. Right? So he went he's to Miami at, twice. He's at, he's at Miami. Was that Miami now? He was at Miami twice. Yeah, so
3: Brandon Marshall, the wide receiver, I texted him when Carl got hired, and I asked him what he, because he played with him at, yes. he, he was here with the Broncos, and then with him at Miami, and he said, smart guy. Smart, very smart guy. smart guy, yep.
2: And he's, he's got a real...
3: He's a good guy, too. He said he's a good guy. That's
2: what I said. Great person. He's got a commanding presence, but in a quiet way. Mm-hmm. I think the players... Will enjoy playing for him, but they will also. And I obviously uh, I didn't play for him, but talking to guys who did and being around him some with the Broncos, he has no problem when he wants to get your attention of getting your attention, which I think as a coach you have to have that ability, mm-hmm. and Carl does. So I'm 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 stoked. I'm I'm happy. Hell, I just want to see football. And once that's determined, then I'm I'm really excited about the University of Colorado and in the direction. That uh, the program will take. So, thanks to Carl Durrell. We're going to talk with Dr. Rick Weiner coming up here on the other side of ten o'clock, uh, our psychiatrist friend from Atlanta. Certainly take your phone calls on the, on uh, on anything from mental health standpoint uh, as we battle through this coronavirus pandemic. And then Herm Edwards, our guest, the head coach of Arizona State at eleven o six. Dave Logan and Kathy Lee, Rick Luce, back tomorrow on KOA News Radio. Thought we'd try to wake you up a little bit. 10:07, the time. Welcome back, second hour of the show. Logan Lewis, Dave Logan, Kathy Lee today. Rick Lewis uh, will rejoin the show tomorrow morning. Again, our thanks to uh, head coach of the University of Colorado, Carl Durrell, for spending a few minutes with us. I think that um, listen, I think I think things are going to be okay at CU. I really do. But I'm an optimistic sort. And I'm also a guy that plays at CU, so I'm I'm biased in that regard. My overwhelming hope is that this pandemic can get figured out and managed and uh, a lot of people can get back to work, first and foremost, as safely. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, down the pecking order, uh, we'll be able to see some football this year at at all levels, whether it starts on time or whether it gets – Bounce back a bit, but I think it will be. I mean, I think it will be good for the psyche, honestly. And I don't know that this is necessarily an overstatement the psyche of the country to be able to watch football because that is America's pastime.
3: Well, I'll tell you this is that Spain decided that they're going to play the rest of their soccer games with no fans in the stands. I saw that. So that's a start to countries doing it, you know, so maybe that's what we do is just play with, you know, especially football. But they wouldn't do that with college football, right?
2: Well, I mean, the, the commissioners have said that they do not want to have college football played without bringing their students back on campus. So first and foremost, the the, the various presidents, I think, get to make the decision, or they're going to be very much involved in making the decision as to when to reopen school, when is it safe to bring back I don't know, thirty thousand students from all over the world, and at that point, then I think football uh, will be down the line a bit as far as when do we start. But and the commissioners made it very well known that they don't want to play football in empty stadiums without the student bodies being, there. being brought on campus.
3: But you would, st- I mean, I would think the student bodies would still want to watch college football from their house. You know, like if they couldn't sure. be there for. Because you still want to cheer on your team. I mean.
2: You think so. I mean, I, I think what we have to hope for is that things continue to get better. We continue to practice social distancing. I'm all for reopening the economy uh, mm-hmm. in a safe way. Mass
3: testing. I mean, testing. If we get yes. testing for everybody, it would be yes. like before students started school, maybe do testing. And then.
2: You're, you're going to. Ha- I mean, listen, I, I don't think you have to be the smartest guy in the world to to say once you reopen the economy in some fashion, you're going to have a bit of a spike in the virus. Yes, of course. You just are. And How you handle it, and have have we been able to mitigate this virus from a healthcare standpoint, which even then, when you reopen the economy, if you have a bit of a spike, and you have some people that are sick and have to go to the hospital, have we mitigated the growth of the virus, the surge, to the point that the healthcare system can now handle some people that ultimately are going to get sick. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you know, I I think it ultimately sort of boils down to that. We had mentioned uh, earlier in the show that Dr. Rick Weiner was going to be our guest. Uh, Dr. Weiner is a psychiatrist headquartered in Atlanta. He also, as we like to uh, say, full disclosure here, he's our uh, world-class statistician on Broncos road games. He makes about, not every single road game, but I'd say 90% plus, which is good news for the play-by-play guy of the Broncos. And Dr. Weiner joins us now. Doc, it's Dave Logan and Kathy Lee. Good morning. How are you?
9: Good morning. Great to be with you and doing well, and hopefully everyone's feeling well there. Yes.
3: Yeah, uh, we're, we're doing good here. but
2: I think we're all as well as, as we can be. Yeah. We're physically well, I think a lot of us. We're. I'm not sure, if, maybe mentally impaired at some point, but uh, physically I think everybody's feeling feeling pretty good.
9: Well, you you mentioned that because I would say in the last six weeks I have probably heard the term Mm stir-crazy more than I have throughout the entirety of my (laughs) 35-year career in practice, and it's sort of the way things are right now. People are talking about that. It's certainly a way of conveying what kind of anxiety people are still very much experiencing Mm -hmm. and wanting to see things get back to whatever that new normal or new abnormal is going to be, but uh, you're right, and you were mentioning about sports is, uh, you know, so much of a part of the fabric of this country, and it is a pastime. I just think we are all looking for the time when it isn't in the past that it will right. be more present and future. Because right now we're we're just kind of stumbling along, waiting for something that you know, we can do safely and you know, do it on a regular basis again.
3: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that uh, people especially here because, Doc, I know that you're in Atlanta, right? Yes. So weather down there is better where we just had a couple snowstorms come through, and I think it's harder when you're stuck inside and you can't walk outside because it's snowing and freezing outside.
9: That's true. We haven't had snow, but we've had tornadoes and severe weather come through uh, the last couple of weekends, and uh, that pro- you know, that certainly provides all kinds of added dynamics that uh, go into how everything is addressed if people get caught in these storms and have Mm -hmm. to look for shelters or whatever during the midst of this pandemic. And the last thing we need right now is to have the weather get in the way. This is is just adding insult to injury to us right now.
2: Mm. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Dr. Rick Weiner is our guest, uh, practicing psychiatrist in Atlanta. Um, So if you'd like to ask uh, Doc a question uh, about mental health or anything going on in your world during the pandemic 303-713-8585 is the number also you can text us if you'd like to 56690 yes yes is the text line we we do have a text doc from the 303-513 right. please ask the good doctor what is the best way to detox at home from alcohol you and know- then he said or she said i'm not sure if it's he or she i got divorced right before the virus i need to get back to being healthy thanks
9: well, that's uh, that's a tough one, uh, yeah, for starters. and And I have had a number of instances where I've had conversations with patients who are going through these sort of traumatic events that either occurred just prior to you know the the whole epidemic and pandemic, but uh, others have happened even just in the last couple of weeks, as people have just gotten so irritated being around other people. But right now, from a detox standpoint, one of the nicest things that's available because we have the technology is the idea of the virtual meetings. So, for example, that the 12-step meetings that people used to attend in person on a regular basis are very much available online right now, and that's something that can be helpful to at least get that sense of support so you don't feel like you're going through it alone. And the other thing would be contacting your primary care doctor to see you know what maybe would be helpful from a medication standpoint to help prevent some of the withdrawal complications that can happen when you're trying to detox from alcohol or or any similar type of substance
3: so i've seen uh doc weiner is that i've seen some people on facebook you know talk about the benzo withdrawal like you know getting off those anxiety pills and depression pills Do you think that's a good time to do it at this point when you're just home by yourself?
9: Right now, I'm not recommending a whole lot of that uh, to any of my patients. And I think I might have mentioned uh, on a previous show with you that I usually will make those sorts of comments in the month of December because we tend to do everything so differently in the month of December. Mm -hmm. But I think right now we just need to get through this. And I don't think this is a great time to really try to make dramatic changes with medication. As great an idea as it might be to try to come off of some of these meds, the idea of trying to challenge yourself coming off of something for anxiety when everybody's anxious to begin with, mm-hmm. I just feel like that's just not great timing. And and when it's all said and done, I think people generally have a pretty good idea when is the right time, the best time to try to, to come off of medications, and it just seems to me this isn't one of the best times at all.
5: Hmm.
2: interesting. Uh, if you um, I mean obviously there there there's been a bunch of bad news over the course of the last month or so if if you're simply trying to um, calm down, clear your head, uh, relax a bit in in very, very trying times other than, the you know taking the deep breaths and sort of that routine which gosh i've i've tried to to use that over the course of a long time but, but are, are there any other things that you could suggest to some of our listeners that that might be of benefit to them uh that they could do they can do at home or as a family or anything okay round two name something that's not
1: boring
10: a laundry Ooh, a book club computer solitaire huh
9: from a just from a mental standpoint well the expression variety is the spice of life comes to mind I think sometimes in this type of situation it's really easy to get into a rut hmm. where we're just kind of doing the same thing every day the days just blend one into the next and there's not a lot to look forward to I do think it's very helpful for us to have something to look forward to and it's very tricky trying to balance having something of a routine in our lives, which we, we do need some of that, but also at the risk of becoming too restricted, become, becoming too routinized in a way. We don't want that either. So it is important to have some variety. And just doing things a little bit differently than you might at other times. For example, having a meal as a family in a different room than mm. you ordinarily yeah. would mm. eat uh, your meals. That, I think, is is useful you know just you know changing locations uh have instead of taking the risk of everybody sort of lounging around in pajamas all day long <laughs> set aside an evening for like a pajama party and watch a movie together just do something that you can look forward to it's a little bit different there's a fun element to it i guess with the uh, baseball uh metaphor sometimes you have to throw a change up in there every now and then mm, okay uh, and you know, right now we're trying to uh, flatten the curve and you know if you throw a curveball that's flat in baseball it's gonna get hit a mile. but right now we do need to do everything we can to stay the course and flatten the curve. but I do think the idea of changing things up uh, from time to time really makes sense and you know talking with uh, family members reaching out to people who we haven't spoken with for a while uh, those are those are great things to do, just something that makes it different and I think the key in my book is we can't let ourselves get into a sense of self-pity. I I think if we start feeling sorry for ourselves, then we're just going to make the situation even worse. And I've said in my office many times over the years, you can send out engraved invitations to a pity party, but only one person's ever going to show up. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't want to feel sorry for yourself, and it's okay to acknowledge that you're feeling anxious, that you're feeling sad about certain things, but that doesn't mean that we have to just wallow in that for a long period of time. Think of something different to do. I I've even notice when I drive to my office, there is one house that has Christmas lights up right now. <laughs> wow. And I think that's a great idea because it's something different, it's cheerful. And probably brings joy to the people who live in that house, but I think it brings joy to people who drive by there as well. It's just something that's a little bit different. And as we get into what ordinarily would be prom season and graduation and all of these events that have been canceled or postponed, sometimes we just need to look at different ways to, to celebrate mm-hmm. occasions. Uh, you know, the thought even crossed my mind. Why not celebrate a half birthday?
3: <laughs> you know, That's perfect. We'll do something I love a it.
9: That way. Uh, it would be quite different, obviously, but there, there could be that element of fun. I was even thinking about you know, young people who might be getting ready to graduate. So often, if they go to schools that are very uh, large enrollment schools, the, the most that they get acknowledged during the actual graduation ceremony is having their name
5: mm-hmm.
9: announced. And that's pretty much it. And you have a couple of students who maybe give speeches. But now, why not maybe have the family get together on Zoom or whatever and have that graduate give a chance to have a chance to talk about what it all means to be graduating and what they're looking forward to and you know, who, who has been meaningful to them along the way. Just things like that to, to make that person feel special then it makes everybody else around them feel special, too. So those are just some things that come to mind that might be very, very helpful. And
2: I think those are, those are good ideas. Dr. Rick Weiner is our guest, practicing psychiatrist from Atlanta. We'll te- keep Dr. Weiner for the next four or five minutes. We've had a couple of texters here. I'm really glad that Doc brought up the 12-step meeting. I celebrated five years on April 10th, and I've been to more meetings online in the last month than I had in public. So I think you had mentioned that uh, that opportunity existed to uh, to go to the twelve-step meetings online. Evidently, a number of people have.
9: I think it's great to hear that, and congratulations to to this uh, person who has the five years of sobriety. Yes, it's terrific. And the the lessons from the twelve-step groups I think apply to all of us right now. The idea that we take one day at a time—that's mm-hmm. how we have to do it right now and that's the foundation of of the the twelve steps that we can't get ahead of ourselves too much we really do have to stay the course and we're going to try to make the most out of this particular day and as i i think i've mentioned previously that when the end of the day rolls around we can try to look back and say what did we do that was an accomplishment what was a win it doesn't have to be gigantic but just something and uh, you know the the twelve step concept i think really uh, holds up very well uh, in these uh, circumstances to try to make the most out of each day as we can and be grateful for the fact that we have it and keep going from there. So uh, congratulations to our listener who has the five years of sobriety and has also found that those virtual meetings have been very helpful.
2: Another texter from the uh, 720, how how would you suggest I explain coronavirus to my kids and any long-term effect due to coronavirus and social distancing Etc. That that's a that's an interesting question. Uh, they, they didn't say how old the children were, but yes, but and that makes a huge difference. It sure does. So, yes.
3: like Doc, I have a seven-year-old, right? I mean, he asks me about it all the time, and he's like, "Are we going to die?" And I'm like, "No, we're not going to die. We're gonna be just fine." You know, because it's they don't know because they only hear about all the numbers of deaths, right? When they walk by a TV and the news is on, because we're all watching the news.
9: True and. We don't really need to have the kids watching too much of that. It's yes. not so great for us as adults to find ourselves just sort of fixated on television where it's a 24-7 proposition for us. We don't really want that. But I do think we, we need to be honest with our kids that we're, we're needing to be careful right now that there uh, there is a flu season going on, and it's unlike any other flu season we've had before, but we just have to do things to make sure we're as safe as we can be, and, and also to reassure our kids that we will be there for them.
5: Mm-hmm.
9: I, I think that, that, that maybe is the highlight of all of this because we, we don't have a crystal ball. We can predict how this is all going to play out, but we will be there
2: for yeah, them. I think that's, that's important. Last question here. We've, sure. got, uh, we've got about two minutes from the 303, to the 263. How does one engage in practicing in meditation?
9: Well, if if you have not done meditation before, it probably would be well worth looking on YouTube or Google or wherever mm-hmm. to try to find uh, examples of that because there are different forms of, of meditation. Some people love yoga and some people like doing Pilates, whatever it may be, that provides some sense of relaxation. I think it's such an individualized topic that you really just have to find your way to what feels right to you at that particular time. There are some people, meditation isn't going to cut it. They're going to need to do something completely different. But it's well worth looking into. And I think right now, anything we can, to, it can do to help ourselves relax and not let the anxiety become overwhelming, it's well worth the effort right now.
2: No, I agree. Hey, listen, Doc Weiner. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. We we appreciate you taking time out of the day. Uh, I know there are other things uh, for you to do, but uh, always great to talk with you. We'll mm-hmm. we'll continue to check in, and uh, hopefully we can uh, we can see you sometime this fall on Bronco road games.
9: That would be great. I would look forward to that, and uh, thank you again for having me on the air with you. And I look forward to our next uh, house call, so to speak.
2: That, that sounds great. That's uh, Dr. Rick Weiner, practicing psychiatrist. In Atlanta, also just a terrific statistician on road games uh, for Denver Broncos radio broadcast.
3: His voice is so calming.
2: He right,
3: just like listening to him, it just calms me. Like yes. everything's going to be okay.
2: So, Evan, you know, during during a timeout or whatever, that's the voice that I will hear in my head headset saying, "The Broncos are now two of ten on third down." <laughs> And it, it, even though it's twenty percent right? conversion rate on third down is not very good, he just has a very calming demeanor, and so
3: you're like, okay, I can
2: process the information. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we thank Doc uh, Doc Weiner, Herm Edwards coming up at 11:06. 11, uh, excuse me, 10:26 is our time. We'll take a very short time out. Dave Logan and Kathy Lee, Rick Lewis back tomorrow. This is KOA News Radio.
5: Tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Back at 1038
2: on KOA News Radio.
5: Somebody calls you, you answer
2: quite slowly. A girl with colitis go by. Sort of felt this way over the weekend. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dave Logan and Kathy Lee. Rick's back with us tomorrow. By the way, Herm Edwards coming up here at 1106. And on Wednesday... Let me look ahead. We're going to have Peyton Manning with us, 11:15 uh, on Wednesday morning. You uh, you don't want to miss that. That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Hey, from the before we get to and again 303-713-8585 before we get to the phone lines and talk about a couple of other things from the 719-660. Uh, I take matters into my own hands. I'm libertarian in what is happening, and. I'm libertarian, and what is happening has always been my biggest fear. Most of us can be responsible, yet we aren't allowed to show it. How best to keep from rebelling, or isn't it best to stand up? Um, I'll speak only for myself here. I think that I, I completely understand the need to open our economy up. And for a lot of people to have some normalcy in their life and for many, many people who have lost their job, maybe a chance to sort of get back into the workforce, mm-hmm. even if even if the um, it, even if it's piecemealed, even if it's little by little. Um,
3: I, I but mean, I, well, I, they say that it's we're till the end of the month, right? Is when
2: Well here here with Governor Polis, and Governor Polis, by the way, will be our guest. Uh, on what, what is that? What day is Wednesday. that? Wednesday morning. Wednesday as well. Yeah. Yep. We'll open the show with governor Polis. As I understand right now, um, we are one of the states that, uh, that the powers to be are thinking about reopening in some fashion. We're locked down until April 26th. I haven't heard anything different than that. But again, back to my point, I, I get the need and want to reopen I just think we have to do so in a smart, smart way. You know that once we reopen, you're going to see a spike in the virus. You're going to see a spike in the numbers, and hopefully, by the time that we're able to reopen little by little, the healthcare system is not completely overwhelmed. And and in a lot of areas, it's not overwhelmed right now, right? It's it's been overwhelmed in New York and New Jersey, and we've we've documented some of the cities that have really been hotspots. And even back there, they seemingly have have mitigated the rise of coronavirus. And in fact, Governor Cuomo does a press conference every day, of which uh, I've been able to see. And even he has said, I think we, you know, basically paraphrasing are doing good work and we're seeing the curve Mm -hmm. start to come down, which is great, great news.
3: I think, though, he's cautious, though, of opening things too soon. He said that, you know, it could be it can make things worse and we just can't do it too fast, you know? That's right. So I, I'm in agreement with you that doing a little bit by little bit say that after our stay at home order that opening twenty five percent of businesses, right? Yeah. But and what would the, the way,
2: businesses be? It, it well, would...
3: well, I don't know, that's the question. What what do we consider more essential than other businesses? I mean, I think that people need their haircut. <laughs> People need, I mean, I don't know, restaurants, Restaurants, people need to get out and go to restaurants. For sure. I mean, people.
2: And and how how do you open them? If we're sitting here playing with with the governor's chips, how how do you open them? What sort of uh, stipulations do you put on them opening up? Is it a matter of how many people can be in the restaurant at at a single time? Yeah, I
3: think you have to limit on anything that opens, right? That if a restaurant holds 50 people, you're only going to hold 25 people now. Your servers are going to have to wear masks. And you're probably going to have to have disposable menus,
2: yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I mean, I think things have uh, I mean, things have changed. And m- maybe they're going to be changed, I don't want to say forever, but for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. right? I, the social distancing and how we try to protect ourselves, uh, that that's going to be going on for a while.
3: I think I'd be more prone to go to a restaurant that has outdoor seating, right? over the inside seating. But then I think about the bathrooms. How do you deal with bathrooms in restaurants and public places? You know, because someone's not going to come in and clean constantly. I think that, but you might have to have somebody clean once an hour. Sure. You know, that wasn't something that was required before people, restaurants would just do it overnight. And I I mean, but I think people are going to, are, have changed the way that they're doing stuff. They are constantly washing their hands more and hopefully not touching their faces. And then that will prevent a lot of it as well.
2: I, I think, and it's been said a lot. I think the country in general has done a really good job of, of uh, adhering to the guidelines and social distancing, and just sort of staying in. I mean, I think that's been the single biggest reason we've seen the curve mitigated.
3: For sure, and I, I mean, I saw, and you probably saw that on the news over the weekend that people were trying to protest at the Capitol. Oh, var- variety
2: of places, yeah, here, different, here Yeah, sure. in
3: different states, and then the healthcare workers. Were doing their silent protest of saying hey listen we got to maybe wait this thing a little bit longer to make sure that you know because they are all they are the ones who are taking care of all the sick people that's right so i get why they're protesting the opposite i mean but and i get why the people are protesting at the capitol because i'm going a little stir crazy too right i mean we all are and people need to get back to work to make money but it's just we're going to do it in a right way and in, in a slow fashion i don't mm-hmm. think you can just say on May 1st. Oh, everything's open. That's, no, they yeah, won't. You know?
2: There's no place in the country that will do that. But there are places in the country that have been less affected by this pandemic that I think would be more likely to be ready to open in some fashion. Oh, I, 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 get, I get it from the healthcare workers standpoint too. Me too. Where these people are on the front lines and in some cases have been so completely overwhelmed uh, in a variety of ways. And all of a sudden you look outside and you've got people protesting that we should open up the economy. So from the healthcare worker standpoint, I'm sure they're looking at it and saying, uh, "What? <laughs>
3: we can only handle so many people coming right. in and being sick, right?" Yep. I mean, so for them who have worked so hard
2: and, and this full time. You know what the the idea of practicing social distancing and being as safe as we can and reopening up certain segments of our economy, I mean, Real talk might truthfully be mutually exclusive. I mean, they just, they just might. But the sad reality, or I think not even sad, the reality is we're not going to be able to continue to have this big a shutdown in the country from an economic standpoint. No. So people smarter than I are going to have to figure out how do we best do it. How do we do it in stages? We've heard all the discussion about phase one and phase two and rolling into uh, opening things up. I I get that. I mean, I get that completely.
3: And don't you think people are going to also be scared for a while to go to places that have gatherings of people? I think people are going to take their time going there, too, right?
2: Absolutely. I I
3: mean— I, I, I mean if you if it opened tomorrow for a restaurant, would you go to a restaurant right away? I, I
2: would I would be more inclined to support the restaurant and pick up my Me food. Me too,
3: right? Still. Sure. Like you would definitely do that. But I definitely want to go out to dinner and I mean I love my kids, but I need a break, right? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: and mean, you and I are lucky, not not that we don't need a break because we're we're but we're still able to come to work. yeah, so right? that's what I get there's a lot of people that not only need a break from the routine at home, but haven't been able to generate an income and need to get back to work. so it's it's a balancing act. i I get that. I completely get it. and I know I, I I've got friends who are out of work and I mean, are getting to the point that it's you know it's it's desperate. They're getting to the point where they're not able to pay just their basic bills on a month-to-month basis because they're, they are haven't generated income for, well, in a, in a couple of my friends' cases uh, since March, like, right? early March. Yeah. Early March. And this is April 20th. So I, I completely get that. To the phone lines we go at 1047 on this Monday. Tony from the Springs joins us on KOA News Radio. Morning, Tony.
11: Morning. How you guys doing? We're good. Good, good. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Uh Real quick, I, you know, it's crazy because you guys, I, I mean, you're just talking about how people aren't making money. You guys are making money, so it's easy for you to sit on your soapbox and talk about how we need to do this. But if you weren't making money, you would have a different view on it, and you would be talking differently on the radio. And, that, I mean, that's just my opinion. But if you guys look at what's happening, I, I know it's this, the boogeyman is out to get everybody, and, you know, you all are freaked out. Look at what Sweden's doing what Sweden did is they basically said, if you are at risk, self-quarantine. If you are not at risk or you're not worried, live your life. And their death per million is less than the United States. And I just think it's, it's a fact that we have to be, you have to be smart. I mean, you know, my mom's at risk. So when I go see her, I take precautions, but I'm not doing anything else because I'm not at risk. And, you know, you got to live your life and your body needs to build these antibodies, and and you have to be exposed to viruses and things of that nature.
2: Well, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not sure it. with your point. How, based on what I just said this morning, how your point is any different than mine? You, I mean that's well, you're that's. That, ba-
11: you're saying that that the protesters shouldn't be out protesting. That they should not. Not hang on a second. Hang hang on
2: a second. Hang on a second. Not one time did I say that. Mm-mm. So you have just put words in my mouth, and I would suggest that you listen more closely not one time did i say that what i said was to be clear i completely understand the frustration with those protesting and i also understand the frustration from the healthcare workers who protested in their own way i get i get it both on both sides yeah. so where you came up with the idea of what i said i have no idea but that's not correct
11: okay well then i guess what i was saying is you said we need to slow slowly open and that we should remain in this quarantine. I didn't no, say didn't no, say I didn't <laughs> say that either.
2: I said rolling open, we need to slowly open the economy. I never mentioned that we need to stay in the quarantine. At at yeah, not, that's
11: what I meant. I'm sorry, that's what I meant. Slowly slowly opening that, that we should that it was okay where we were is how I take what you said. Well then, you take then you, you, said then
2: you take then you then you take you take you take it the wrong way. All due respect to you. Uh, we need to reopen the economy, but we need to do so in a smart way. That's what I said. So or, I, do we agree or yeah, disagree? No, no.
11: Hey, that's we, – we totally agree. I get what you're saying. I don't think we should have shut the economy down from the start. So okay. That's
2: how I feel. Well, that's okay. I mean, that's okay. You're entitled to that opinion. But, but you know, as we like to say, the, the horse is out of the barn. Maybe you're right. Maybe yeah, you're wrong. I, I, I would disagree with that. I think given the circumstances – of really the unknown. I th- I think what President Trump did on whatever day he did in terms of shutting shutting down or suggesting we shut down the economy and the various governors doing the same thing, I, I'm of the belief that had they not done that, then we would not be in as good a spot as we are right now. I guess there's no way to to prove that one way or the other, because they, they actually did shut things down. But I I, I think we we need to get back to work, but we need to do it in a smart way. Um, now, what that is? Hey, listen, people a lot smarter than me can can figure that out. So, you, w- would you say if you had if you were if oh. Tony? Tony so may be happened. gone. So, if Tony were um, had the ability to either govern a state or run the country or whatever, I'm guessing Tony would just at this point say we're returning to complete and total normalcy like we were back in let's say january and if if in fact that's the case then i respectfully disagree with tony
3: and tony was talking about sweden and by the way sweden's figures are considerably more than the rest of scandinavia which is, they all shut down besides sweden so they have 1540 deaths in sweden and so which is 17 times higher than those of the other countries
2: yes yeah, so sweet i mean so sweden it, it has not worked, not been yeah. sweden has not been uh a model that you would necessarily want to duplicate
3: so yeah so that's i mean and i'm gonna tell you know i was just reading a story over the weekend weekend that you know south korea has 51 million people who live there Mm -hmm. well they have the same amount
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the
1: deli i guess aha in my dentist's office
3: With 51 people, 51 million people as Colorado does. So they have the same, around the same amount of, actually, they have less deaths and the same amount of cases that we do. And they have 51 because they shut well, they down Well, they completely early. shut down. Yeah, and so now they're able to try to get back to a little bit of normalcy because they need to, you know, so it's hard to say if it was right or wrong for us to shut down, right? Mm. Then they're only taking studies from other countries and other states and if it's it's starting to flatten out the curve, so maybe that's the right thing to do. Or not to do, but I think that all we can say is that places that have shut down are seeing it flatten the curve. Yep. Places that have not are not seeing it as much.
2: David Boulder joins us on KOA News Radio. Morning, Dave. How are you? Dave, do we have you? Not sure exactly what that is. Irma in Fort Collins will locate Dave in a while. Irma's on KOA. Morning, Irma.
10: Hi, guys. I was just wondering um, same, same thing talking about um, the shutdown. Um, that we're finding, especially there are some studies from Stanford and things like that, that they're finding that way, way more people might have had the virus and don't know it. Mm -hmm. So what that is doing. And there are also studies in the United States saying the same thing. What that's doing is bringing the actual death rate down that is real to hardly anything. And also a comment that I think it's easier for people with guaranteed paychecks, to say let's shut it down, um, other than people that are, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm walking. That's okay. <laughs> that, That's um, all right. That don't have a, uh, uh, a guaranteed paycheck to say shut it down. And also, I would, I would argue that there is no scientific studies right now that say that shutdown, shutdowns do work because you can't really, you can't really tell. There's nothing that says, well, do you know if if people stay at home or are shut down? Besides putting drones overhead and watching mm-hmm. people, but we really don't know. I think and so. I'm seeing that there's conflicting stuff on that, and I'm wondering if, and also the models that first came out, we know that they're really, really, really wrong. And so, I'm wondering at what we did on the huge shutdown. To actually kill our economy, especially Colorado,
5: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
10: was it worth it? Were you?
2: Questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I really do. That, that's why I think it's important that we get back to work as quickly as we can in, in a as safe as possible way. Which, again, those two things, to a certain degree, in my book, are mutually exclusive. We just have to figure out a way. There's going to be a spike a little bit when everybody starts or when people start to sort of roll back into the workforce, but now it looks like most of the healthcare system will be able to hold up with that when mm-hmm. we have that spike. But I get I get it from an economic standpoint. Again, I've got, um, you know, I mean, I've got a small company trying to keep people employed. It is it is a real challenge. And there's no question about that. I've got friends who are out of work. That these people need to get back to work. I I Everybody does. Uh, yeah.
3: I mean, that's the one thing I think that people forget is that we all know people. We have family members yes, who are out of work. We no have question. You know, just because we're working and those essential employees are working, that it's we all know somebody close to us that got laid off or yep. got furloughed.
2: Absolutely. Ten fifty six is our time. We are through a couple of hours on this Monday morning. Logan Lewis on KWA News Radio. Herm Edwards, the head coach of Arizona State. Two-time NFL coach will join us uh, at 11.06. That's coming up on KOA. All right, now let's go to uh, Mayor Michael Hancock with this update. Mayor Michael Hancock with the press conference. We didn't really get word that uh, they were going to have one, but uh, indeed they did, answering some of the questions. Again, the city of uh, Denver, a little bit different than the state of Colorado um, in terms of uh, social distancing and when they will attempt to open up April 26th. That's what uh, Governor Polis has said, mm-hmm. and uh, May 1st, as of right now, that's what uh, Mayor Michael Hancock, the mayor of Denver, has said. So, um, but interesting information in terms of he's already talked to a number of restaurant owners and kind of coming up with an idea, starting um, at some point in May, starting to, to have, roll back into reopen. Yeah,
3: and have policies in order of that's what right. they need to do and. I guess the governor's having a press conference today at 3.30 that will talk about what's going to start opening.
2: Yep, and so. I'll, I'll just speak for Big Al and JoJo. You'll be, you'll be hearing the governor's press conference live here <laughs> on KOA News Radio at, at 3.30. This is my only one attempt at programming our station. 11.25 is our time. Dave Logan and Kathy Lee, Rick's back with us tomorrow. When we come back, Herm Edwards will be our guest, the head coach of Arizona State, coming up on KOA. Welcome back. Final segment of the show, 1137 on this Monday morning. Dave Logan and Kathy Lee. Rick's back with us uh, tomorrow morning. Again, Peyton Manning will join us uh, Wednesday at 1115. It'll be great to have uh, the quarterback back on the show. Right now, really a pleasure for me to uh, to welcome Herm Edwards to the show. Herm, two-time uh, head coach in the National Football League. Was a hell of a player, really. Uh, and I'm not even sure a lot of people – You think of Herm now. You saw him as a coach. You saw him on ESPN. He's now the head coach at Arizona State. I'm not sure how many people uh, appreciate the kind of player he was with the Eagles, primarily for a long time. But uh, Coach Edwards joins us now. Herm, it's Dave Logan and Kathy Lee here in Denver. Thanks for your time. How you doing, Coach?
7: I'm I'm doing good, my friend, and um, let's don't cut your career short as well, right? So let's you know, let's, let's make it perfectly clear. It was, it was it was tough trying to defend you, my friend. So we'll just, we'll just
2: call it. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, I I appreciate you, Herm. I I had not uh, had, hadn't really run into Herm. Didn't have the occasion to, and then in Super Bowl Fifty when we were out in Santa Clara, they had the big they had the big media night, right? Yeah. So normally I I just don't I don't do this, but I saw Herm standing. Over to the side, I'm thinking, you know what, man, I'm going to walk up and at least introduce myself. He couldn't have been more gracious about it. And uh, it was great to see you. I, so the first question for you is having spent so many years in the NFL, what, what was so appealing to you? Uh, aside from the fact that once you're a coach, I think you're always a coach. But what appealed to you most to get back into it at the college level at Arizona State?
7: Well, for me, Dave, I had a lot of opportunities to come back, actually, when I was uh, on television, uh, but never didn't just didn't, didn't want to do it at that point in time. It wasn't the right fit.
5: Um, right.
7: Th- this became the right fit for me in a lot of ways. Uh, AD was uh, my former agent, along right. with Tony Dungy's and Marvin's and, and a lot of other guys, and, and just felt compelled to, to teach again. And, and that's what mm. coaches do, and, and you know that. I mean, yep. we, we don't have the ability to give any player talent. God gives them the talent. Uh, we give them knowledge. And I wanted to give back to football. As you know, and, and, and you can say this because you've played a long time as well, I mean, without football, I'm not sitting having this conversation with you. Right? Football, my vehicle, to get out of, out of the neighborhood in which I grew up to go to college. And mm. uh, It's provided me this tremendous opportunity, and I want to give back to it. I'm indebted to the game, and, and for me to coach young people and be a part of their lives at an early age that maybe could influence a little bit, uh, that was important
2: to me. You know, it struck me, I think it was earlier, maybe it was last week, I saw a comment attributed to you that uh, you were asked a question about, hey, would you ever consider getting back into the NFL? And I, I was struck by your answer. You, you, you basically said, nope, this is it. And you sort of laid out what you would like to see happen at Arizona State. But but you said, "This is this is my last stop.
7: It is, uh, and when I took this job on, I, I told Ray, uh, I told the president, as well as my wife. My- Cause my wife looked at me and she said, "You gonna do what?" <laughs> <I'll> so, bet. <laughs> I bet. No. She said, "Oh boy!" She said, I knew "There was a screw missing, but it's really missing now." <laughs> and, 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 and it was kind of, you know, it kind of caught everybody by surprise a little bit because uh, all those years I spent on television. But mm. with that being said, I was always on college campuses, and uh, I did some stuff for ESPN, uh, the SEC, and was invited to a lot of camps in college and I coach that underarm all American game. Right. And that's right. the game that really got my blood going again. You know, with the high school players before they were getting ready to go to college, it was kind of interesting visiting with those guys, they would always tell me when the game was over, coach, you need to coach college football. You know, and mm. just I said, Well maybe and all of a sudden this opportunity appeared and um, this is it though for me. It really is. I wanna build a program here that we can be proud of with some consistency. Uh, you know, and, and hoping our goal, like like most of the teams in this conference, is to uh, to go to the Rose Bowl and win it. And um, you know, that's kind of one of my goals, and and uh, that's it. And, and this is that, Dave. I'm going back to Carmel. <laughs> I <I'll,
2: laughs> no, give you my address. You can come visit me. Hey, to play some golf, man. You know what? Trust me on that. I'll I'll be there for sure. Uh, you know, you uh, look at uh, you look at a college coach, a head coach, um, mm-hmm. and his ability to mentor you know young guys. And I'm I'm a I'm a high school head coach, and so I get the group before yeah. you get them, right? But but your ability to teach life lessons and your ability to mentor them and not only not only help them in football, but just help them sort of navigate through what is really – a can be a difficult period of their life for a lot of guys, I know that has to be something that you really enjoyed.
7: No doubt. And, and the thing that you realize with young people, uh, and we were that way as well, um, you know, we're a collection of our choices. Mm. and um, I think I tell them all the time, I said, with the world you people live in now compared to when I grew up, this social media is real. And when you press it, that mm. becomes your resume. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away. I said, you don't get to make the same mistakes maybe I made when I was a high school guy or a college guy. Yep. Uh, because everything's on, everything's on tape. Everything you say, everything you do, people have access to that. I said, you have to be careful. I said, you represent your family's last name this university's last name, and the great game of football, off the field and on the field, even mm-hmm. more so now. And so you've got to be careful. I always tell them, choose your friend. Don't let them choose you. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of important.
2: Yeah, no no, no doubt about that. Herm Edwards, Arizona State head coach, uh, is our guest. You know, when, when you and I played, I mean, matter of fact, I think our first – Two years in the league, they didn't even have the five-yard bump rule. So as a wide receiver, I mean, it was it was hand-to-hand combat, dude, for all the way down the field and seemingly, from my perspective, beyond. Then in '78, they 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 have the five-yard rule instituted. But we've seen so many changes in, as you say, this this great game of football. Um, we have to adjust to it. It is what it is. But but do you like the game as we currently have it? Do you like the game in terms of a lot more the passing game and just sort of the rules and regulations of play, generally speaking.
7: Well, as a defensive player, you always feel like they're going to they're going to move it to the side of the offense, and rightly so. I mean, you know, the biggest guy that that, that, that grow, draws the most attention on anyone's team is the quarterback, quarterback, right? You just talked about the guy you're going you're going coming on to, uh, you know, Peyton coming on your show. I mean, yeah. and, and rightly so. I mean, he's the guy. I mean, when people walk into the stadium. Uh, they, they want to watch the quarterback
5: now hmm. you
7: know they were i always tell fans weren't defense the last few minutes you win it go play so. go play but other than that they want you to score points yeah <laughs> so yeah i i get that and i think if you look at the offenses today um they all the game is played outside the numbers uh, the ball's in the air you know they put you in space they make players play in space now and and that is difficult uh, if you're not athletic, you know, there's more athletic people. I mean, they're bigger and faster, days. Mm-hmm. And I'm we, not saying we weren't big and fast, but there's – when you look at the line, the interior people, they're so athletic. You know, skill guys are skill guys, but it's the big guys that can move and run and do these things. You'll we'll watch these kids get drafted this year. There'll be a bunch of guys that can run that either rush the quarterback or protect the quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the game of football now, and it's it's fun to watch. Um, not fun if you don't have a quarterback because the field
2: is about 120 yards long when you don't have one. <laughs> Our guest, uh, Herm Edwards. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the quarterback position. I mean, it's always been important, right? I'm, I'm thinking when you were in Philadelphia, I think it was probably Ron Jaworski. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, and I had Brian Sipe in Cleveland. And so you can't mm-hmm. – listen, you can't win. I mean, even back then, you had a hard time winning unless you had that guy. But I think now, again, with the the rules changes – I mean, it's, it's almost impossible. Let's, I'll just speak at the NFL level. It's almost impossible to win consistently unless you have that guy taking the snaps, right?
7: out, well, and, and I think the thing that you really realize, that guy is real important when you go on the road uh, in the fact that the great ones, they're going to win four games for you every year. It's just our day because mm. you're going to get the ball in the last possession and he's going to take the team and go down and, and throw a touchdown or put him in position to kick the winning field goal. That's what they do. You see it every Sunday. And that's what separates the teams, really, is the consistency of the quarterback play. And the great ones find a way every year. They're going to win four games. They're actually going to win four games. They're going to make the clutch throw uh, during the course of the game when it's needed in the fourth quarter, especially on the road. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And that's what they do. That's what they live for, to be quite
2: honest. Yep. Last couple of questions for Herm Edwards. You know, you look at uh, what everybody's dealing with, not only – Uh, us here in this country but uh, globally speaking this pandemic and I want to ask you just from your own perspective as as a head coach uh, of a college football team what what's the the plan now not necessarily of when we're going to get back together and start practicing because nobody knows that but how are you staying sort of engaged with your guys and how do you make certain as best you can they're doing the right thing and getting in the playbook how do you do that now
7: well, we're on Zoom. You know, all of a sudden, this electronics has become a part of the norm for us mm-hmm. as coaches. And, uh, even though you know you're in your office or at home, we're having meetings. We just had meetings this morning with our players, and it's kind of interesting. The first thing you got to do is because you got you know a hundred of them, the offense, defense, split them up, and you got to first tell them hey, cut off the mute. You know, the dog's barking, the dog is barking in the house,
5: and you might have to the <laughs> running around, you know? yeah.
7: and you're trying to capture their attention. You know, and I told them this, and I, and I keep telling them this. I said, "Look, the Zoom meetings are great, and and now, but your ability now to take that and take the time during the day to go outside and do something." I said, because the teams that come back and are in some kind of shape, a player of in some kind of shape. You know this day, they're going to have an advantage. Yep early they're going to have an advantage early in the season i do believe and you guys as players you're all independent contractors right now and everyone is in life mm-hmm. independent contractors but once you come together now we're going to be a team and if we're in a little bit better shape coming into this rather than trying to get into shape we're going to be further
2: along yep no question about that last question and i'm going to take you back to when uh when you're in the nfl um versus a as an assistant coach and then, of course, as a head coach. I mean, you were in uh, for a number of years the same division with the Patriots and Tom Brady. A, did it surprise yep. you that Brady decided to leave? And, and when you look at him, you know, we look at him from an outsider's perspective, and I appreciate right. his greatness and the fact that he wins and he's smart and all those things. But from a, a coach's perspective who had to get teams ready to play them, what was that like for you guys?
7: Well, it made you study very, it made you become very precise. And um, like like Peyton Manning, he's one of those quarterbacks. I call him Captain America. I mean, you know, we're playing Captain America this
5: mm-hmm. you week.
7: Know, he's one of those guys before the pre snap, he's going to read your mail.
5: Mm-hmm. And you
7: had to make it difficult. You know, once he read the mail, it's over. He got you. And, and the great ones do that. Uh, his, his competitiveness, his consistency. To make big plays and big moments uh, with different with different players. I mean, you look at his career of all the quarterbacks. I mean, he's a guy that the personnel was always changing.
5: Mm-hmm. You know, his
7: game evolved a lot. It changed every. It seemed like every two years it changed. When they had when they had Randy Moss, they were throwing go routes all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it became the tight end system. Then it became a running system for a while. Then it became the quick throw system. So wherever he's been, he's always been able to adapt his game to the players and surrounding cast of players that he played with. And that says a lot about
2: who he is now. Yeah, no no question about that. Herm, great to catch up with you, man. We really appreciate you taking time out. Uh, Wish you a lot of luck and uh, hopefully catch up and do this again sometime soon.
7: Thank you, my friend. Both of y'all be safe now.
2: That that sounds good. Appreciate it, Coach. That's Herm Edwards, the head coach at Arizona State. Um, You saw him on ESPN for a number of years. He was the head coach of both the Kansas City Chiefs and the New York Jets. Um, started his career as a Tony Dungey guy, started his career as a defensive assistant um, in Tampa. I mean, he was down there with some real he was, – he was down there with Mike uh, um, Tomlin. That staff had a bunch of really wow. good young coaches that then went on to success as head coaches. Um, I've always liked him.
3: Mean, he sounds like he'd be such a great guy. Like, that's why I can see the kids love him and why kids would want to go to school there.
2: Yeah, he's, he's – uh, you know what? And he's been at Arizona State now – a couple of years, they were seven and six, I believe, the first year. Eight and five last year. They
3: had that qu- quarterback that was a freshman, right?
2: True freshman, yeah, that really played well. But I will say this about Herm, and I got to know him a little bit as a player back in the day. But then you know you sort of go on with your own respective life, and you you lose track of each other. Um, but I will bet he is great in recruiting. I'll bet when he sits down in a potential player's home and talks to mom and dad about his philosophy and his overall um, ability to impact their son in positive ways. To me, I I think Hearn would just be a natural. Oh,
3: well you can tell just by the way he talks. You know, just, he has a lot of passion in his words. So I think a lot of parents would be, wow, my kid needs to go there, Yep. you know? So I, I mean, I was glad that you asked the question of why he made that jump to college yeah the NFL. Because I always get curious about coaches and that, like why they make the jump, because you would think the NFL is the top and yeah. you almost feel like you're going backward, going back to college.
2: Well he said uh you know he had he had a handful of the chances before. Mm-hmm. Um so I what I would imagine those were NFL chances. And you know it's a completely different lifestyle. Um as a college coach, I mean I'm not sure in terms of hours spent, I mean NFL guys work an enormous amount of hours during the season, mm-hmm. I think they have a little more flexibility in the off season than you would as a head coach in college because the NFL guys don't have to recruit.
3: So then all the spring is used, or the winter and spring are used for recruiting, that, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So, um, but I think Herm, again, the AD, as you heard him say, the AD at Arizona State used to be his agent, so mm-hmm. it was a natural fit. He was able to bring Marvin Lewis, who he had a great, uh, a great relationship with. And Marvin's part of that staff down there. It was interesting because Kevin Mawai, the uh, Hall of Fame offensive lineman, uh, called me, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago. He's on Herm's staff wow. down at Arizona State. Uh, he was recruiting one of my players. And so I'm thinking, man, so these these are guys that have had great success as players and as, except for Marvin, as coaches, uh, Marvin didn't play in the NFL, I don't believe, but, but now to go back to college, Oh, long time head coach, coach of, of the, uh, the... uh, Cincinnati Bengals, I think for 15 years. Okay. So there's a lot of football acumen, a lot of football expertise on that staff, but, uh, just you... always, always light term.
3: I, I, he's, I mean, like after listening to that interview, he's just seems like a good dude.
4: You'd run down to the kickoff team, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah I'm ready sure. to run through I'm a wall running, for him. Yeah. Yeah. The only bad I'll part the about mascot. him going back to coaching is he's not on ESPN anymore. Yeah, because he was my favorite NFL analyst. He was great. No, he was.
2: Listen, he was knowledgeable and believable. And his, he everybody has whether radio or TV, you have your your own sort of uh, delivery mechanism, right? You just you you get used to delivering a message, sort of in in one way. And the audience, they either like it or they don't. Um, and Herm, to me, was always very believable. I knew he knew what he was talking about. Like, like, I asked him about coaching against Tom Brady. And, you know, he he used the phrase, you know, he's going to read your mail. Now, trust me on that. He's going to read your mail. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how many people out there actually know what that phrase means. Right? And for, for those that don't, uh, he's talking about the, the pre-snap read a quarterback tries to get – Uh, On every level of football, right? High school, college, even the NFL. I mean, even high school, then college, and certainly the NFL. But you try to get a pre-snap read, and defensive coaches spend a lot of time staying up late at night working with their players then during the week of disguising what the actual coverage will be once the ball is snapped. So when he said he's going to read your mail, and, and if he's able to read your mail, then it's over. And that's that's pretty much true, I think, for Tom Brady. It is absolutely true for a guy like Peyton Manning. So great to catch up with Herm Edwards. By the way, Peyton Manning will be our guest 11-15 on Wednesday. But we're coming back prior to Wednesday because we have a show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. As that is going to do it for our show today, we thank you very much for being with us. Hope you've uh, enjoyed the show. Thanks to Millennial Grant for doing uh, both he and Dragon Redbeard's job We miss you, Dragon. Looking forward to getting you back. Uh, Rick Lewis will be back with us tomorrow. So for Kathy Lee, I'm Dave Logan. Stay tuned. News is coming up next. Mandy Connell from noon until 3. We're back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Hope to
0: see you then on KOA.